Hello and welcome to Poetry Non-Stop. I'm Patrick Widdis and I'm joined by a real rising star of the Norwich poetry scene. Piers Harrison-Reed is an A&E nurse, a role that has inspired some really powerful poetry that has touched many through his performances, musical collaborations and a poem commissioned by the BBC to mark the 70th anniversary of the NHS which has been viewed over 600,000 times. I asked him how he came to be a nurse and poet and how the two roles have come together. I, I started writing poetry when I was very young and I was in school and I, um, I kind of felt that I wanted to describe the world around me and help myself deal with different emotions that I was feeling at the time. And then I kind of stopped writing poetry when I was in sixth form because I got distracted by, you know, girls and life and not doing my homework and stuff like that until near the end of sixth form where I started writing again and that's when I was trying to figure out my place in the world and trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do moving forward so I took a gap year did some care work and went traveling and saw how nurses were really valuable across across the world so um they kind of bloomed side by side I was still writing poetry I was still trying to understand the world around me but then within nursing it gave me something to truly reflect on and try and understand the emotions I was feeling through it so yeah the past few years I've been writing more about nursing than I have about other aspects of my life I'd say and I think it's really helped me understand and process certain emotions and feelings associated with such a traumatic um, and emotionally laden job so a lot of the stuff I've come up with has really helped me understand how to be a better nurse and a better kind of person in general, I hope, anyway. Um, so yeah, I'd say they've, they've kind of blossomed in a parallel way, but not necessarily interacting early on in my life. But um, as soon as I was a nurse and a poet, it seemed like it naturally made sense to incorporate both of them through through my work. Yeah, so how long have you been a nurse now? So I've been a nurse, I was I qualified in at the end of 2015, so it's now, yeah, about five years, coming out to five years. And I was working full-time in A&E for two years, and for the remaining kind of, uh, yeah, just under three years, I've been doing bank nursing, so I can kind of pick and choose which hours I work, uh, still for the NHS, but that allows me to focus more on uh, poetry and more on, I went on tour, um, and I've been doing a lot of work with the BBC recently. So the unfortunate thing with, with nursing is it's so emotionally and physically demanding when you're working full time that a lot of nurses don't really have a voice anymore because they are just at work all the time and they're ground down by the fact that we are understaffed in a lot of places. And that means that even though I think there's a lot of really positive voices within healthcare, in nursing, in medicine, but also across the uh, hospital I work in, a lot of people don't have the chance to really say what's on their mind and really fight for kind of political change which would really affect them because they're just in work all the time. So it's, it's, it's a strange place to be. But I'm very lucky in that because I'm on the bank, I can kind of focus on trying to find balance in both areas. So how are you trying to give these other nurses a voice? So I've just recently been really lucky to be awarded a, a grant through the Arts Council England and in association with the Norwich Arts Centre to bring poetry and creative writing into the hospital where it should always have been and try and uh, get interesting stories from people who aren't traditionally writers or performers from a variety of backgrounds, hopefully from a variety of different uh, cultural backgrounds as well, to try and pick apart some interesting stories that are united by the fact that these people work in a hospital together but don't necessarily come into contact with each other all that often because a lot of uh, medics, say, um, are 
academically intelligent have, have been told they can write creatively as well but I think a lot of nurses especially from places like the Philippines where we have a lot of our nurses from um, and a lot of housekeepers cleaners healthcare assistants haven't traditionally been told they can share their stories in any kind of culturally uh, enriching way and I think that's a real shame so hopefully it's the first step on this project but hopefully this project will bloom into something which um, allows lots of different people to have a voice with my help through poetry and through storytelling. And hopefully by the end, anyway, we're going to have uh, 15 to 20 poems that are performed and written by individuals across the hospital uh, to camera, which we're then going to compile as a digital book. And hopefully that will give them an opportunity to tell their stories on a wider stage than just in their own homes. And so what sort of problems do you anticipate with that in terms of getting people involved and getting them to uh, share those experiences? <laughs> it's, it's terrifying for me. I'm, I'm very aware that it's, it's not something which a lot of people feel comfortable doing. Um, I've been writing and performing now for a long enough time that I feel like if I still get nervous on stage, but I think I've been told enough times that what I have to say is valid, um, that I think that takes some of the weight off you. Whereas I think a lot of these people who I'm expecting to be able to get involved will not have been told that and will have been consistently told that they don't necessarily um, have the opportunity to be creative and to give their own opinions about things. So I think um, I think the hardest thing will be getting people um, to share their stories in a way which is open and honest because they've been told so so long that they can't share these stories and they're just they're just their job, they're just um, this person, they're not somebody who can be creative. And then in addition to that, if there's a way I can get them to into camera, that would be the best thing I could possibly do. But I'm very aware that it might rely heavily on me writing and performing these pieces for them. Um, just because... And I think when you're an established performer, sometimes it can, it can be a real uh, helpful asset to making contact with people. But sometimes it can scare people a little bit, that they think they've got to be as uh, honed and... Um, um, experienced in writing as you are which is you know an impossibility if you haven't written before but I understand that that can sometimes get into people's heads so I guess yeah the answer is kind of twofold it's it's trying to make contact with people in a way which allows them the freedom to express themselves but also try and um, develop their confidence to a point where they can perform and write these poems because I think that's by necessity that's going to be the most pure and honest story that we can tell um but yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to it. It's just I'm going into it with some trepidation. It sounds great and I uh, look forward to uh, hearing what comes out of it. Um, uh, maybe you can come back and tell us about it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think it's it's going to be a year-long project-ish. So it's, it's it officially started in November, but we're um, bringing together the first poets at the uh, end of February. And we're aiming to end around November, December as well. So hopefully by then we'll have at least some semblance of finished finished uh, digital book. It might be that we've just got the um, poems finished and we still need to do a few little um, uh, edits. But yeah, that's the that's the aim. We'll see. Right. Um, going back to your own poetry, what uh, experiences have inspired you? So from a nursing perspective, I'd have said that the things which really shine out, and that's, and that's something which I, I do feel like I need to undoing myself a little bit because I, I have a reliance on reflecting usually quite traumatic and bad experiences um, through uh, reflecting on them through poetry because I think those are the things which shine out brightest those are the things which I think I find most difficult to understand without reflecting on them fully but that does mean that a lot of my poetry then becomes quite sad and quite um, 
um, I'd say traumatic to listen to. And nursing in general and healthcare in general isn't always sad. It's not always doom and gloom. There is a lot of really positive, happy moments and kind of uh, a happy mundanity that runs through most of the days. So I think I need to try and force myself to start writing more happy poems um, and start looking at the, the brighter sides of my job. Um, but up until now, it's been mostly about kind of death and, and kind of horrible things, which I struggled to process at the time. Whereas outside of nursing, I think a lot more of my things are about happiness and a lot more of my things are about um, interpersonal relationships in a more positive way. Um, because I think I am quite a happy and quite a um, positive person in general. So I think that is mostly represented through my poetry when I'm not talking about uh, my job. Even though my job, I'm happy to have this job and I think it's incredible, but it just the things which stay with you are the things which are really negative a lot of the time. Mm. Um, so other experiences you've had and you've uh, written about them straight away or does it take longer to process and then write about them? It, it really depends. I think I've got a quite a strange writing process in that um, I will have a tendency to know I kind of want to write something about a particular theme, but usually I'm not that aware of what the end product would be. So I have a tendency to write um, for kind of months at a time, pulling together individual ideas um, and compiling them in a, a project file until I feel like I've got enough of a clear vision of what the end product will be. Um, and then I pull together those ideas and, and weave them together in a way which is much more um, kind of narrative. I'd say 80% of my poems are probably written like that, so over a really long extended period of time with individual moments of uh, inspiration and clarity. And every now and again I'll sit down and just write a poem start to finish in one sitting, just because the inspiration has been so strong. I've been doing more commissions recently, so I've been asked to write f for a particular group about a particular thing, um, and that's allowed me maybe more of an opportunity to sit down and force myself to write about a particular thing, and also it's taken my poetry in different directions. So it's been really nice to be commissioned by um, a group called the Warm and Toasty Club, who are based out of Colchester, and um, their whole kind of uh, unique selling point is that they bring together people uh, aged 65 and older from a particular housing um, estate in Colchester. Not, not a very nice estate, it's kind of socioeconomically a bit deprived, but it's got a lot of heart to it. And bring them together to try and fight against the kind of rising threat of loneliness and um, isolation that we see in a lot of our communities now, um, because people you know, move away from their friends or grow older when their friends uh, die. And that means that, especially our older generation, a lot of them are sitting in housing estates just like that um, and not really having much contact with the outside world because they, they feel um, scared or they feel too isolated to even initiate that. So they're an incredible group. Um, and I was lucky enough to be commissioned to go and uh, sit in on some of their meetings um, and hear some of the stories they share. They, they, they share stories every week on a particular theme, usually going back to times when they were young and usually going back to times they felt safe or the salient details of their you know previous lives and I was lucky enough to write um, four pieces for an EP set to music um, about different stories that were shared there and I was really happy with what came out because they were mostly <laughs> mostly happier than my usual things which meant that you know the stories themselves I feel like I can use um, to try and inspire other people in more creatively happy ways than a lot of my other more negative uh, nursing poems. So there's, there's been a few commissions similar to that. That's, that's definitely the nicest one. I reckon the, the, the one which I'm most happy about is one called Home, 
which is um, written about a lady called Betty and her experiences as an evacuated child um, during the Second World War. She talks very vividly about, let's say, short relationships she had with a nun um, as she was being evacuated and her sister had been taken away by a different family. Um, and I won't give any more than that, but um, there's, there's a little sample in the track which sounds like, hey, and I think it's a really good thing to imagine that sample as an angry nun that you, you've annoyed, but you don't necessarily know why. And I think it'll, it'll become apparent after that. Home is where the heart is. The moment the rosary beads snapped. Scattering like panicked mice when the lights go on. And skittering on the tables, feet, every surface in all directions. Betty knew she'd made a mistake. The head nun's wrinkled face, so stoic up to now, folded into itself in disgust like an angry raisin. She got red, and Betty got gone. The nuns are no fun. Nuns are no fun, and evacuation is tough. Even without being separated from siblings, her sister had been picked hours ago, it seemed. And at five years old, five years old, would anybody blame Betty for desperately fighting back? Apparently, yes. Nuns are no fun. So Betty hid quick. From the otherwise empty room, stinging swallowed curses, the threat of a caning electric in the air. She hid deep, deep in a makeshift den beneath the stacked chairs from the other children who had already disappeared from different families. Her ears rung, and her eyes stung with swallowed tears. Betty was last to go. She wasn't ready. The nun got redder. But bladders are the enemy sometimes. So Betty, only five, only five, had to resurface and accept the last kind woman and her home with the red-bricked outhouse. With a single wooden panel seat cobwebbed in its peaceful solitude, where she could focus on her swinging legs and be alone and cry big, slow, luxurious tears and sit and think of the city. After all, what is home other than a place you feel safe enough to cry? One of the uh, commissions a lot of people know you for is the uh, piece you wrote for the NHS 70th anniversary. Yes, How indeed. did you approach that? That one was difficult because... So, so the whole story was that I had just come off the being on the road, essentially. So I, I was asked to go in twice onto BBC Radio Norfolk to kind of do some promo around... I think it was about two weeks, three weeks uh, long tour me and some other poets and a producer were doing around uh, Scotland and England so we'd been on I think twice or yeah two times over the last three weeks up until then and this is actually how I started doing work with BBC Radio as well because they asked me to come back in and do a lot of uh, talk radio stuff with them Um, but because of that because of the fact that I got 
to know one of the producers relatively well um, and he knew I was a, a nurse. The When the 70th anniversary rolled around, one of the other producers of the BBC got in contact just to ask me if I could potentially write something really quickly for them and they could film a piece. So it ended up being that I wrote the piece, which is quite short and relatively simple. I wrote that in a day. I think I sent it off the next day after some edits. Over the course of that weekend, because that was midweek, um, they edited, um, they filmed us and edited the film down. And then on Monday, they published it. So it was over the course of, I think, five or six days at most that the whole process happened and then it blew up. So it was it was very, um, it felt very, very uh, serendipitous. I was very lucky to be a part of it, but it also felt like it was completely out of my hands after a certain point because I just, you know, I wrote something was filmed and then it kind of, the internet's a strange place. It kind of develops um, interesting narratives and certain people who really are behind an idea will share things. Um, so I was very lucky to be a part of it, but it felt like it wasn't, it was a, something that was from me, but wasn't necessarily driven by me. Yeah, and it's such a big topic, the NHS. How sure. did you actually approach, you know, honing your thoughts and feelings, mm-hmm. maybe other people's thoughts and feelings into a, a concise poem? Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. I think a lot of my... I'm, I'm quite verbose, so a lot of my um, pieces are, I'd say, overly long and less concise than they should be because I like flowery language. So with such a, a short running time, like I only ran for... Uh, they wanted a minute. I managed to stretch it to a minute and a half. With with such a short amount of time to say so much, I think it can be very difficult to feel like you've given enough people voice and feel like you've touched on enough of the big issues. So I found it very difficult. I, I ended up planning out a really long poem and then trying to cut out bits which I felt were um, either unnecessary, saying the same thing more than once, or weren't a universal feeling. Because I think at the end of the day, I was being given a platform to speak for essentially all nurses and to some extent all healthcare staff um, for this particular uh, event. And though that's a big weight on your shoulders, I think the only thing you can do is do your best at that point. So I I knew I particularly wanted to talk about a lot of the um, cultural and political pressures that are on the NHS at the the time. Um, And I really want to speak about the pressures that are on individual staff at the time. Which, when you narrow it down to those two things, then it becomes a little bit easier to write a, a narrative about it. The issue is that there wasn't much of an underlying story that went through it. It was more, I'd say, kind of vague platitudes, which kind of talked about the whole, which is not how I like writing poems in general, but I think it really worked for something which was so short and sweet. So. Have you got a, a poem you could share? Certainly. So with uh, this week's exercise, I was thinking that a lot of the things which I write about, uh, like I said, about healthcare, or about my experiences within healthcare. Um, So I wanted uh, the people listening at home to write any kind of uh, piece about either their experiences with healthcare or a family friend or uh, a family member or friend's experience with healthcare that they're aware of, um, and just free free write for a few minutes. From doing that, you might see that you've had an interesting experience with healthcare, or you might see that it's something which you hadn't thought about before. Um, this piece was inspired by essentially doing that kind of exercise, but around the hardest day I've had as a nurse, and it's called 26 Months, um, and about it's about a really sick child. I then went on to use what in nursing we call a reflective tool called the Gibbs Model of Reflection, which is like a very formal tool for understanding how you've dealt with a particular situation and what you can learn from it in order to try and 
get the most I was I was a student at the time in order to try and get the most reflective benefit to myself from such a difficult situation so you don't need to do that bit because that's the boring bit but um, free write about your experiences in healthcare um, and this is what I came up with it's called 26 months you were 26 months I was 22 years your veins skeletal leaf-like they splayed under your translucent skin iridescent almost Marbling like faults in ice. You were cyanosing blue, pale. You had tubes buried into your bones, found in a bed of brown vomit alone for two hours. We weren't quick enough. And with your nose bleeding from our heavy-handed lack of letting go. We gave you six hits of adrenaline, and asynchronistic CPR. But we couldn't make a difference to your pH. You left at 17.04. It was raining and the lights were too bright. But you know, you sat like a king on that bed, your powder blue palms and soles glittering like gold in moonlight. As your father's eyes cracked behind his pursed lips, and as your stillness stung the air around you and moved through these glistening corridors unannounced, until your stillness withered and left these corridors empty and airless, Still, despite the whirring of the fans. Still as your mother howled herself desolate into fragments, then still herself as it overtook her. Still as the silent shuddering tears of my team broke through the restraining emptiness in coffee room corners, hidden cubicles, silent corridors, before being swallowed again. Somehow, the worst thing was that your dad, he thanked us after weeping into you. And grown men and women fell apart. So we unscrewed the tubes buried in your bones, we took fluid from your heart, liquid from your spine, photos and hair and flashbulb memories, but... My only regret, little man, is I'll never see the warm light in your eyes babbling and bubbling streamlike in the sunshine. No, my only, only regret is that I'll never see you breathe. I'll remember you, little man, until my eyelids too close and I too become a network of interlinked leaves waiting for spring. So all my stuff, I think, is, like I said, is to deal with quite difficult days. And I think that one in particular was probably the time I was closest to thinking that nursing wasn't for me. Because I think it's, it's something, um, one of my favorite bands is a band called La Dispute, who are like a post-hardcore punk band. And one of their um, ideas behind one of their songs is that there's no, whenever you try and look for meaning behind death, you always kind of leave yourself wanting he can never really give the kind of understanding that death needs because there's no way of understanding it. And I was listening to that a lot of the time and I was trying to find a way of processing this death and I kind of ended up just realising you can't ever really process it. It's a loss that you kind of just have to take inside 
And the, the hardest bit with any of these things is always seeing the family members react to something. Because at the end of the day, you've only known this person for potentially a really short amount of time. But their reactions and their heart physically breaking in front of your eyes makes it all a lot more real. Um, so I really wanted to get through that piece. Um, the, the difficulty of um, death through other people's eyes. So. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think that poem really brings together the experience from a professional point of view, but mm. also as a person. Mm. It's, um, it's uh, incredibly powerful stuff. I guess a lot of people will have uh, been fortunate enough that they haven't experienced anything quite as traumatic as that. Um, mm. But I guess... Um, there's still things you can draw from uh, uh, less serious uh, medical experiences. For sure, for sure. And, and thanks, thanks a lot for saying that, actually. I think um, one thing which I really... I get told a lot when I say I work in A&E as a nurse is people say, oh, I couldn't do that, I couldn't do that. And actually, I think you take on such a role there that most things don't affect you in the way that they would affect you if you were just a civilian because you, you've been trained to deal with certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, but that day and a few other days, really, there's no way of taking on a role. There's no way of dealing with that without being a human a human being in that space and being affected by all the horrible things that you think of. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's I really, with that piece, I really tried to break through the idea that we're um, infallible or that somehow we're uh, immune to the suffering we see. There's... You know, it has to be part of the role that you have to be immune to an extent. You can't climb down in people's um, experiences with them because then you don't have the um, emotional strength to help them get through it. But there's certain times where you just can't take on that role and um, it it becomes very difficult. But I think also when people talk about their own experiences, as I hope they will with the, with the exercise, I think you realise that something doesn't have to be dramatic and something doesn't have, have to be life-ending or life-altering for it still to be hugely affecting for you. And it's still to be very much something that you can reflect on and gain something from, especially if it's related to you or your family or your friends. Small things, kind of relatively mundane medical interventions and, and medical contact can still make a big difference on your life and your relationship and your understanding of yourself. So I don't, with that piece, that was difficult because of my role and difficult because of the way I write poetry. But it wasn't, I don't think everybody needs to write something particularly dramatic. I think a lot of my pieces also are very mundane and they're also very everyday. And I think that's where you get a lot of the interesting nuances. There isn't much nuance to that piece because it's so um, emotionally wrought. Whereas I think a lot of my other pieces have interesting nuances in the way that you see the world around you. So. Yeah, great. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add? I would really like through my poetry at all times to be able to give voice to voiceless people in healthcare. Um, and thank you for having me on the show. I think it's the kind of thing which allows me to try and get across the things which I think about in my poetry and sometimes can be a bit impenetrable. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. That was Piers Harrison Reed. Some great poems and interesting writing exercise. As I approached it, I found myself reflecting on how as I get older I seem to need more and more medical attention and some of the time for quite personal and potentially serious matters. I've always found that such situations are never as difficult or embarrassing as you might think and just being treated in a calm, professional manner 
makes me feel much better. I started reflecting on real experiences, but rather than write about them directly, I ended up with a clearly fictional piece which captures the essence of those positive interactions. This is called Cold Tap. I took off my top hat at the doctor's bidding, revealing the cold tap which had appeared on top of my head last week. She ran her finger down the spout. Does it hurt? No, I replied. So what seems to be the problem? It's a tap. Yes, a cold one. She turned it on, took a glass from her desk and filled it. Very fresh, she said, after taking a sip. But what can you do? About what? The tap. It's a very healthy one. But it's on my head. The washer might be wearing out, she suggested. I'll refer you to the plumbing department. Just for a check-up. Nothing to worry about. Can I get a glass of water? I asked. She produced another glass and filled it for me. It was certainly refreshing. I thanked her and took my leave. At the end of a corridor, she called me back and held out my hat. Well, I hope you'll find inspiration from this exercise and I hope this response shows you can share your experiences without a lot of personal details, but you might want to write something more truthful and, as Piers demonstrated, that can be very powerful and effective too. Please share your results as always. You can find out how to submit on the blog, poetrynonstop.com, where you can also find out more about Piers and other information from this show. I'm going to leave you with a final poem from Piers. Until next time, Thank you for listening and keep writing. So there's an, another piece which I do quite a lot <clears throat> called Kintsugi. And it's kind of, in contrast to it being about um, my role as a nurse, it kind of has that in the background, um, but it's more about my understanding of myself and um, when I've got sad, how to get happy again. Um, and Kintsugi is, is uh, a Japanese uh, art form. It's about remaking broken crockery or broken um, earthenware with gold in the joints in order to look at the breaks within it not as an issue but as part of the majesty of the piece and as part of the beauty of it so it's a wonderful idea and because i'm pretentious i thought that would be a really nice way to to start a poem and i think it becomes apparent throughout it why i called it kintsugi um, and this is also usually set to music so you can find it online this is kintsugi what is it to be human now the personal is political names drawn in the sand the duality of humanity we find ourselves unsure of what comes next. I remember I found myself lost and found in the fissures of my father's hands held high above my head. Toddler two stepping down burst concrete streets, bouncing to the cadence of the open summer windows playing sleepy sax, and I buzz like a tone fork. All rose-tinted and soft focus. All silhouettes and sunsets. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a street sweeper. You know the truck with the brushes on? My teacher laughed. I think I just wanted to make things better. Now I keep lists. I keep lists of lists. I'm terrified of running out of energy to stop running from my shame of a life lost in limbo.
dissolving in the light. Whilst my brothers and sisters can't stop singing their songs into slipknots. And they have to learn to love without words. That ain't the only way to fly. I swear, is the only thing we are all defined by our fear. I swear we were looking for life and love or numbness to life and love. I remember the bitter smell of coffee beans and cigarettes on my dad's breath, him drinking from a mug that made me think of the stars in a pitch black sky. Some days. Now, I swear I can see Van Gogh's starry skies in my sink water, floating ethereal on the scum. There's beauty in everything. There is beauty in everything. I said it twice because I forget it far too often, but I'm working on it. I have not always, do not always feel worthy of love, but I'm working on it. I've been up and down for years. Some days I swear I can barely make out the light, and the night drags in darkness and leaves it bristling on the doorstep. I've contemplated suicide, but I'm working on me. I'm unfinished, I admit. Our bones, our bones are patchwork, kintsugi, and there's so much here. Faces lit pink in the half-set sun, I am nursing now. I think I'm still trying to make things better. So grow out your wings, friends, there are better ways to fly. Now I know, my god is a child. All beaming, giggles, eyes folded tight with nothing in her mind but the sky, laughing with her. And so I wrote a wrong haiku, rain shivers hot leaves, and I, under shelter, am unbearably happy.